1: Coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group and the KFG Studios, this is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host, as well as one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG Studios, certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory.
2: Retirement is one of the biggest financial goals that you're going to pursue, and most people only do it once. That's right. So before you get to the biggest financial test of your life, we thought we'd give you a little quiz today. Mm. Quiz on your retirement knowledge. So get your pencils ready. It's quiz time here on the Wise Money Show. I like that. You know, uh, quizzes are little samples before the big test. That's right. Josh, you're you're all sorts of nerd there.
1: If you have any questions, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you can find us online. Call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Lastly, social media and YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. You can find us YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, all sorts of uh, places online. Join the conversation. So what was it? Gosh, almost three years ago when we launched the Wise Money Show, we wanted to get the conversation started. Uh, You know, your finances are private. You don't talk to other people, your friends about them, certainly your family. Gosh, that'd be awkward. And so it's hard to learn from other people. What are you doing? What What are you going through? And a lot of people just are intimidated or don't want to go see a certified financial planner. So we started the show to help that conversation get started and tell you about the wonderful process, the news of comprehensive financial planning and really the perspective that it brings to your financial life, connecting seemingly disconnected pieces of your financial life together to help you make great, I would say wise decisions. Why? To help you reach your financial goals, whatever they are, whether that's retirement or whether that is buying a house or paying off a house, sending your kids to school, whatever it is. For most people though, retirement is the big one. It's the granddaddy of them all. And that's why for today's show, I thought it'd be good to grab a quick retirement quiz. See if you're ready. And just to up the stakes a little bit, I found it on CNBC, not a big fan of theirs, but they Hmm. did say the average person flunked this test. I think you're going to be able to ace it. All right. Let's dive in. Question number one, roughly how much do investment professionals suggest people have saved up by the time they retire? So how much should you have saved up by the time you retire? You have your answer down? Here's what they said. Fidelity recommends people save at least 10 times the amount of their last year's income. So for example, if in your last year you made 60 grand, you should have $600,000 saved up.
2: I have a very strong reaction to this. Josh, Kevin, what's your reaction? Well, my reaction's always just against rules of thumb in general. Yes. I I think rules of thumb are a cheap replacement to doing actual planning, I think they can serve a function and hopefully if you hear that number 10 times your last year's income, it at least makes your eyes get a little wide, raises your eyebrows and makes you realize, okay, it's a big number, whatever it is. And so sometimes rules of thumb, they help us to expand our thinking and and realize, okay, maybe, maybe I was gonna be shooting a little low here. Um, but is it a replacement for actual planning where you scrutinize your own projections, your own assumptions, your own uh, vision for retirement, and then come out, well, well, what's the pace that you need to be on in your own unique financial life? This one kind of reminds me of, uh, I, I've heard rules of thumb on how much life insurance you should have, eight times your, your earnings. Well, why eight times? And, and is that really the right number for everybody? But the point, I guess, is... It's bigger than you, maybe you realize that it is. Yeah, as a rule of thumb, I like rules of thumb. <laughs> and I I have found
0: that this the, the usefulness of this is it does get you thinking. The The problem with this is if you say, well, my earnings last year, okay, we used the number uh, 60,000, all right? If I need 10 times that, I need 600,000, on average, the... Average 62-year-old has about 150000 saved. Mm. So if you're 62 and you're average and you're hearing this, you might think, oh, my, there's no way I can do that. And what I would tell you is that we I've been practicing for 24 years. I've helped hundreds of people retire, and none of them have gone back to work because they had to. Some of them have gone back to work because they wanted to. Some of them have learned that retirement is really the idea. If I'm not, if I'm just retiring and not repurposing, I'm not. I, I, I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. So uh, and, and so, folks have something to give. They go back to work and they they give that. They like they like some of the components of work, and so they'll do that. I look at this and say, okay, ten times the amount of my last year's income. That's a good start, but again, we're using that number. If I if it's sixty thousand, if I saved six hundred thousand, does that mean I'm going to then live for ten more years, um, spending what I made the year I retired, and then I'm out of money, or yeah. or, or what's going to happen? That doesn't take into account because six hundred thousand may be sufficient. If my income was 60000 and I've got a nice pension, I think of a situation where maybe you're a teacher. And if you've got a nice pension and you've got uh, you know, Social Security, that $600,000 may be more than enough to supplement.
1: Yeah, it ignores the other factors of your retirement plan completely. And actually, I, so I think there is huge risk for throwing this rule of thumb around because you just ignore the other pieces. So let me ask you a quick question. You guys know I'm a Disney fan. If I told you Cindy and I were debating between going to Disney for just a weekend, Cindy's right, or for a month. <laughs> or for a month. So uh-huh. a weekend or a month. How, you know, what's the difference there? Would I need to have more saved up if I'm just going for the weekend or for the month? Right? Yeah, yeah. you yeah, for, for the, the month. Right. That's extreme. So what if I reach 10 times my salary when I'm 45? I inherit money. And I've been making 60 grand and I inherit and I have $600,000. So am I good? No. No, because you're going to live another 50 years. So it's absolutely bogus, personally. I I think it might help spur you on, get you motivated
2: to save more. That might be a bigger number than you thought, but it is not a plan. All right. We've we've all seen people who can retire on 600000 And we've seen other people who are just sunk financially on 600000 So yeah. you, as you said, you have to pay attention to the other factors, not just how long you're going to live, but are you going to work? How much are you going to spend? Um, how much risk are you going to take? Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't replace the, the process of financial planning with just a rule of thumb yep. like that.
1: Second question is kind of fun. All right. Question number two. How often over the past 35 years do you think the stock market has had a positive annual return? That's How a many Great question. Over the past 35 years did the stock market have a positive annual return? I'm going to tell you right now only 8% of people got this answer right, and I would not have been one of them. No. Would you have guessed this? I would have guessed it, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have guessed it wrong, but yeah. I would have guessed it. 30. 30 years out of the past 35, the stock market's posted a positive annual return at the end of the year. What's your reaction to this? Okay. Other than the surprise, my reaction, well, uh, my reaction is I think this is beneficial because as people are approaching retirement, this may be you, as you're approaching retirement or are in retirement, you're tempted to go no risk. When in fact, your retirement's likely to last decades. That'll be a question here coming up. That is the risk. And so that's the risk of taking too little risk in your investments. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. And so I think this, this actually is a helpful question. Now, it's not planning, of course, but it's a helpful question to help frame your mind that in all of the fears and all of the concerns, the stock market's typically reaching new highs.
2: Well, the, the reason you get yourself into trouble on um, your investments is by not taking the right time frame in mind as you're evaluating your investments. Mm. A lot of folks spend too much time, especially in retirement. If, if you have time on your hands, you may be watching your investments more closely than you should. And I, I remember hearing that 55% of all days, the market is positive, so a little bit better than half. But if you look at the months in the market, 63% are positive. Mm-hmm. It's 70% of years are positive. Yeah. So if you just expand your time horizon and realize, hey, the market goes up and down, maybe you kind of calm yourself down a little bit and let your investments do their thing. Yeah. Are you ready to retire? Could you pass a retirement
1: readiness quiz? We've got questions two, three through eight coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: What life expectancy should you plan for in your retirement? How long do you need the money to last? It's a great question. One of the biggest questions you need to address in your retirement plan. We've got that coming up here. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, & Keene, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money show possible we're going through a retirement readiness quiz helping you pass where the average person failed if you have any questions comments concerns reach out to us we'd love to hear from you you can text us or call us 574-222-2000 text or call 574 222-2000 wisemoneyradio.com online and at wisemoneyradio on youtube facebook twitter that's how you can get a hold of us Question number three is an unfair question. I'm just going to say that out out there. I'm <laughs> just going to lob it out there. Here's the question: If you were able to set aside fifty dollars each month for retirement, how much could that end up becoming twenty years or twenty five years from now, including interest, if it grew at the historical stock market average? Survey says forty grand. But this is why it's bogus. The question says, using the historical stock market average, which is what? What would you say, Josh?
2: 10%. 10%.
1: Yep. And their answer, they used a 7% annualized rate of return. So I look at this and say, what's the purpose of this stinking question? What's the – just whether, you know, in order to be able to retire, you've got to be a mathematician. Right. And if we were just underscoring how much – the magnitude, how much you need to have saved up for your retirement to work – Saving $50 a month is a good start. And so if you're not yet doing that, I'd encourage you, get started, get get going, get doing that. But over 25 years, if you started at 50, boy, I'd want you to ratchet that up each year. So you're doing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more.
2: Yeah, no matter what rate of return you earn, $50 a month isn't going to fully fund your retirement. Yeah, it likely won't. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, figuring out, well, what is the right amount for you to save? is an important question part of it's a function though of what kind of growth rate can you get and you know there's certain radio hosts out there that will tell you oh you just get yourself a good growth mutual fund Mm -hmm. and earn 12 percent well that might be crazy talk for some people it Uh, might be way more that's crazy uh, talk for well (laughs) all people okay uh the the point though is you're not going to invest in just the straight stock market you're not going to uh, expose yourself to that volatility for your entire working career, your risk profile is probably going to change as time goes on. But even 7% may be too low. That might be too conservative for someone who has 25 years to to go. You have time that you can take some risk, let the investments grow, um, and just kind of stomach some of the ups and downs That's part of learning how to prepare for retirement.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a somewhat – I mean, you, you, we could – Stumble and 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 be irritated with this question. I say, well, let's let's get the goodies out of this. So here's here's the goodness: is that at even at seven percent, I only invested fifteen thousand dollars, and I've got forty grand at the end of the day. Silver lining. So you're right, Einstein called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. So get those dollars to work for you. And if you're listening today, here's a call to action: if you've got lazy dollars get those dollars working for you. Your dollars need to be working as hard for you as you've worked for them. And it needs to be within the context of a financial plan. So go find a financial planner, make sure they're certified and create a plan that says no more lazy dollars in my portfolio. Because I, and we plan for folks to live into their nineties. And sometimes people say, oh, I'm not gonna live into my nineties. Everyone in my family was dead at 47. Well, you know what? We don't know, but I would rather plan for you to live a long life, and end up having too much money, than plan for you to live a short one, and at at 75 say, hey, look, we only plan for, for you to live to 76. So we have to do something about this.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the point of my career doing this almost 15 years now, where people are coming to me and saying, hey. Remember when we built that plan, and <laughs> I was trying to tell you that we'd be dead by now, and they're still, and and they're, and they're still in the go-go phase of retirement. They're yeah. still having fun. So great call to action, Kevin, and and actually great segue. Question number four will surprise you. Given the current average life expectancy, if you want to retire at age sixty-five, about how long would you need your retirement savings to last? The answer is. For men, eighty-five, and eighty-seven for women. So about twenty-two years. Yet the average person answered this quiz, this question, twelve to seventeen years. Potentially, your retirement's going to be twice as long as you think. <laughs> you need to prepare twice as much. And Josh, you've actually done some research on on this a little bit in one of the courses that you teach at at Bethel um, about what someone's assumed life expectancy is and what reality has sh- shown.
2: Well, and these numbers kind of uh, support that as well, yeah. that the, the average retiree underestimates their own longevity by about six years. And that's essentially what these statistics are showing. And that's why I think uh, this is maybe one of the most important concepts that you could glean from this little quiz. And, and it's the belief that you're going to live longer than you think you are. And that has huge implications for your planning because if you're going to live longer than you think you are, it might influence uh, your social security decision. Mm -hmm. It might influence uh, what kind of savings pace you need to be on during your working career. Might influence the amount of risk you should be taking so that you grow this pool of money to a large enough sum that it can not only replace your paycheck for 12 to 17 years like you might be thinking. But what if you live much longer than you thought? Longer than the generation that came before you even. It, this could also influence how
1: long you work, right? What what if th- yeah. this is sixty five kind of the traditional retirement? But here's the issue in America we always think next generation is gonna get better, it's gonna get easier. And so I grew up thinking, well, retirement was sixty five, but I you know, things are getting better. So I'll retire at 60. If I'm living longer, I'm working till 70. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's how, so anyway, this could have big implications. And the thing that I get out of this is that
0: we are horrible judges of how things really are. We're not really great at helping ourselves. I mean, we've said all along, we are all hardwired. We were born to horrible investors. So emotionally and otherwise, we're just not great investors. That's why we need to work with someone. But this is the other reason why you'd work with a financial planner is you say, listen, I think I'm going to live till I'm 75. And and you want the person across the table saying, no, you're going to live till somewhere in your late 80s or early 90s. Let's plan for you to
1: live till you're 95. And just a quick disclaimer there. When you're a certified financial planner, Tells you that, don't yell at them. <laughs> jo- Josh has told me this story about how someone just
0: really, really oh, yeah. yelled at him. Scared me.
2: Yes. <laughs> All right. So he's so, still living very, 15 years later, by the way. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, question number five is somewhat of a, of a segue. This one is fairly short, but question number five. About how much did the average monthly Social Security benefit pay out in 2016? The average Social Security recipient received how much each month in 2016 the answer is much less than what I thought 1300 a month and actually about half of people that answered got this one right here's what this tells me I don't know what it tells you guys but it tells me people are drawing their social security way too early yeah mm-hmm. way way too early the average person will draw their Social security as soon as they possibly can yeah. Okay, they'll try to avoid penalties if if possible, but you've been paying into that system for so long there's just this I got to get mine sort of feeling. And however, social security is possibly the only one income source that will go as long as you do. It's extremely important. You can't outlive your social security. So when to draw And therefore, how much will it be? It's huge.
0: Yeah. When we're talking about the social benefits, we we want at least one of the family members, if you're you're a couple, we want at least one of them to be absolutely maximizing that benefit because when one of those spouses is gone, the remaining spouse gets the bigger number. That's right. But it, it has always fascinated me when when I'll talk to someone who's coming in for the first time and saying well when you know what are your financial goals and they say well I want to retire and I said well when are you thinking about and they say well I can retire at 62 right and you based, and they say, well, based on, well, based
1: on that's when I can start drawing Social Security. So we want to flip that on its head. Yeah, yeah. And really base your Social Security drawing decision on your overall retirement plan. How much should you be withdrawing from your investments? That's certainly tied to the Social Security question. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What's gonna be your single greatest expense category in retirement? The answer is gonna surprise you. We've got that and more coming up. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group in the KFG Studios. My name is Mike Bernard here with Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you also to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. If you have any questions and we are taking a quiz today, we're asking you questions. If you have questions back to us, we'd love to hear from you. Wisemoneyradio.com is how you can find us online. At Wisemoneyradio on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter is how you can connect with us and stay connected by subscribing. And lastly, you can call and text 574 222 Two thousand. That's 574-222-2000. We are in an eight-question retirement readiness quiz that the average person failed. I know you're not, but we're on to question number six. Here's what it is. About what percentage of your savings do many financial experts suggest you withdraw annually in retirement? So let me rephrase that what withdrawal rate is sustainable and recommended from your retirement nest egg? Is it a certain dollar amount? Is it a you know 10%, what is it? And uh, good folks over at Fidelity say annually four to 5% of your nest egg. Again, I have strong opinions on this. Guys, what do you think?
0: Well, it's interesting, I was uh, meeting with a client And his situation changed a little bit. And the idea was we were going to wait for a long period of time uh, before they touched their investments. And so um, he relayed to me that that their situation may be changing, so he may need to access the investments sooner than they planned. And I said, well, that's not a problem. What we can do is um, we can look at what you – you know what we can give you off of the portfolio mm-hmm. and um, you can figure out how to make your budget work and he said no i'll tell you what i need <laughs> and i said well we can do that too and if you tell me what you need i'll tell you how long your portfolio will last yeah and so they there because there are there, you know, with finite resources, there are variables that we have to work with. So we can either tell you what your portfolio will generate and what you can live on, or you tell us how much you need and we'll tell you how, how long it will last. And the big idea is to have the money last at least as long, if not longer, than you do. And so I, I look at this and I say, personally, my preference, I love to work with folks where we can say, hey, we got a 3% burn rate on this portfolio and that dog will hunt forever.
1: I
2: completely agree. And, and the people who can afford to do that, to, to say, hey, I'll draw off the portfolio what is sustainable, not just what I need, mm-hmm. they always seem to be the folks who answer that last question the right way about Social Security. How much should you be getting from Social Security? It's a function of when do you start drawing. And the people who maximize their Social Security, they're not able to completely live off Social Security. Um, But what if it covered most of their basic needs? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why the Social Security decision has an impact on your withdrawal rate. Um, You know, it's, I've heard you say, Mike, that it's good to have some steady streams of income that will match the guaranteed expenses that you have. Yep. If you have a mortgage and your mortgage is 1000 bucks a month... Good grief. I mean, can you imagine trying to live off 1300 for two spouses coming in each? Mm-hmm. It would be tough. Or and you, you would have to go to your investments early and often. Or if you retired before 65 when you could get on Medicare and yep. you had $1,000 a month of medical expenses. That's right. Longevity risk is a really big thing that we talked about in the last segment. You're going to live longer than you intended, and that's why... Uh, trying to maximize the social security benefits is such an important thing because it allows you to leave your investments intact and um, undisturbed uh, for longer. Allows them to to really fully mature and then draw off of them at a steady pace. And you know, you you dramatically reduce the risk that you're going to run out of money that way. Yeah, well, well said, Josh. I I I think this is another rule of thumb question, and
1: and I don't like rules of thumb. They're not a substitute for full planning especially something as complicated and high stakes as your retirement and when you're going to stop working for good or transition to a part-time basis. And so I'd rather build a long-term full detailed plan to see, can this thing work? And then back into it, all right, how much do you need to draw out of your portfolio based on your other sources of income and when you're going to draw social security and so on and so forth. And then After building that plan, yes, this can work, and then building the income plan, where's the money gonna come from? I'm with you, Kevin. If I'm comparing it to this rule of thumb, I much prefer 3%, somewhere below four. This is called the 4% rule, based on a lot of assumptions that are different today in the marketplace. Interest rates for one, the multiples in the stock market is based on different circumstances.
2: The academic research has changed, right? Exactly. And the, so the, the brainiacs out there in their ivory towers have determined 4% maybe isn't sustainable like it used to be 10, 20 years ago.
1: And it's a little surprising then that Fidelity would say 4 to 5%. Yeah. But there again, I'd also go back to my Disney analogy of, well, it just depends. If you're trying to retire at 58, I don't know, 4 to 5%, even 3%, that might be too much because your retirement needs to last a long time. So anyway. Yeah, Cindy was right on that one. That <laughs> She always is. Question number seven. What is the single biggest expense for most people in retirement? This one surprised me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Only 17% of people got this right, and this is the answer, housing. Housing, apparently, research has shown, is the most the the single biggest expense you'll have in retirement 63% of people assumed it was healthcare and are most worried about healthcare expenses rising and it's actually it's actually housing so this gets me thinking of a couple different things <laughs> number 1 your healthcare expenses definitely need to be part of your plan because it is something that's worrying you i know it is because we've had hundreds of these conversations helping people retire. And one of the biggest questions is, well, gosh, healthcare is so expensive. And it's helpful to us to just be able to point and say, yep, see, we've got it allotted for right there. That's how much your health insurance is going to be, which we'll get into the next question. But from a housing expense standpoint, to me, this is about stewardship and preparation. Yeah. Are you still working on a mortgage in retirement? If you, if you are, that's not a terrible thing, it's just you've gotta be planful for that. Mm-hmm. It, have you had all these delayed maintenance things to the house where all of a sudden, when you retire, yeah, gosh, this roof has lasted us 30 years, so we're gonna to have to take out a big chunk from our retirement and do this roof, or do all these things that we just never got around to doing, yeah, that could be expensive.
0: And when you retire, you're going to be spending more time in your home. And I was just meeting with some folks, and they said, you know what? Um, we really haven't. We, we moved into this house when it was brand new 20 years ago, but we haven't updated anything. And because we're retired, we spend a lot more time at home, and we kind of do a good chunk of navel-gazing and, you know, looking at the walls and thinking, oh, you know, wouldn't this be nice because the HGTV folks make, you know, you can completely upgrade your kitchen for $3,000, so I want to do that. And so, <laughs> and so this is... This Labor is, included. Yeah. Well, so this is where... And the reminder for me, when you think about housing being your biggest expense in retirement, is be kind to your children because you may need to be the boomerang parents and move in with the kids. So make sure you're being extra kind to the kiddos.
2: You know, a lot of people also have a vision for maybe having more than one place in retirement. Yeah, Maybe they have a a home here and they've got somewhere warmer that they go as well. And uh, it's amazing to me, we've been doing this long enough, to see how many folks start out buying a place down in Florida or the Carolinas or something and then they realize the carrying cost of two houses, that one of them is sitting empty at all times, right? Um, so best case scenario, maybe 50% of the time they're actually using that second house, and the cost gets to a point where they say, you know what, I think I'm just gonna rent a few months each year. Yeah. So thinking about an economical way to approach even the snowbird idea Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think is an important way to limit this major expense in retirement.
1: And I personally don't care whether it's housing or health care. You just need to plan for it and be proactive and, and have that as, as part of your long-term retirement plan to see if it can work. We're wrapping up this eight-question retirement readiness quiz, and we've got a great question actually about social security from a fan of the show. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. So how have you done so far? Are you a 7 out of 7? you getting this uh, retirement readiness quiz locked up? I hope so. We're helping you through it. We've got the last question coming up. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard, here with me in the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group and the KFG Studios, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything... You can catch up on every previous show, including this one. First, I'd point you to the YouTube channel. It's all live. We record every show right there. You get bonus content, sometimes funny, sometimes not. Uh, on the breaks here, you can catch us on the YouTube channel. At, just search Wise Money Radio. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, you've got to type in Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group there. And then lastly, on the website, we've got every, every episode as well, wisemoneyradio.com. And lastly, you have a question we'd love to hear from you. Call or text us. You can do so, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. The last question, question number eight in the eight question retirement readiness quiz. How much will a couple retiring at age 65 spend on out-of-pocket medical costs for healthcare over the course of their retirement? So how much will you spend if you're retiring at age 65 from that point throughout your retirement on health care? So your premiums, out-of-pocket, deductibles, all that sort of stuff. Now, if you're a regular listener and fan of The Wise Money Show, then you've heard Kevin share this number before. Fidelity estimates $260,000 you'll spend on healthcare in your retirement. That is a big number, that's a, that's a big number. And what I th- found helpful in this quiz and the answers where they said, okay, if, you're, if you just tie the, connect the dots from things we've talked about already in this quiz. If you retire at 65 and your average um, retirement lasts 22 years, take 260 grand divided by 22, you're basically spending about a thousand bucks a month on healthcare. For a couple. For a couple. Yep. Here's my question. Is that built into your retirement plan? Because it should be. This shouldn't be something to really alarm you. Yeah, that's a big number. It's a big number. And if you're getting ready for retirement right now, then you need to be saving and and saving up and and, um, be aware of that. If you're on the cusp of retirement, you need to make sure this assumption is built into your plan and see if the plan works.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you are on the eve of retirement, it's time to sit down with a professional who can help make sure that your health insurance, that whole package is structured right. Because in retirement, you're going to have layers of insurance, really. And you want to make sure that you are filtering out the costs that really you can't bear or the risks that you shouldn't keep on your shoulders. Some of that is just general health insurance uh, type discussion. Some of it is a special form of healthcare called long-term care insurance that you hope and pray doesn't happen to you, that you don't need help with normal activities of daily living in retirement, but this is one of those potential catastrophic expenses that could really shake up your retirement if you haven't prepared ahead of time.
0: Yeah, if you look at a a couple that is, if they're both 65 and they're on Medicare, All in it's probably close to 250 per person so about 500 bucks that's a month a month month. that's if I don't have higher income from my uh, from a business or from an event or fill in the blank so if I have higher income it's it's easily, I mean, I can easily be five hundred bucks a month uh, per person for Medicare. So Medicare is a component of that cost for retirees. And really the the bulk of that money that gets spent, you say, well, if I've then I've got another five hundred dollars a month to work with, so I'm going to be spending five hundred dollars a month. Josh was talking about another layer, possibly long-term care or something that gives you protection against a long-term care spend down. But most of the folks spend the rest of that in the last six months of their life mm. and so this is where you want to be planning because you say, well hey i don't i'm I'm only spending five hundred bucks a month. They said I was going to spend a thousand. look, I've got this money. I can do something. but I would make sure to Josh's point, you've got a great plan for how you're going to either live with certain risks or transfer certain risks so that you don't impoverish your spouse um and you can um, have the, the freedom, the choice, the independence for living that you want to have until you leave this earth.
2: You know, that's one of the things I like about these little quizzes is it, it hopefully is a reminder that you need to focus on the right questions in your financial life. Some of these are kind of silly questions that kind of get you thinking. But the real questions, the ones that matter, are the ones that you have influence over. And that will have some sort of consequences. Kevin just talked about, kind of alluded to the fact that financial planning is about gaining more freedom and choice, options, uh, flexibility in in your life. You want to have more control over how the most important questions get answered. And that can't be done unless you're taking a proactive approach to your financial life. So possibly the biggest question, and maybe the one that is uh, it's pass fail,
1: is what approach are you taking in your retirement plan to determine when you're ready for such a high-stakes decision, one that you hope you only have to do once, that has huge implications on this really rich chapter of your life and potentially um, a lot of enjoyment and purpose as well. So what what approach are you taking? We would argue you need a comprehensive approach, one that is very detailed in determining all of these... uh, all of these assumptions, all of these variables, healthcare costs, social security, all sort of how much you will draw from your retirement, all of that needs to be mixed together. But then, but then the point is, it then needs to be connected to the rest of your financial life. So you have synergy. That's our, that's our belief. Yeah. The question is, do you have a plan and not having a plan is actually a plan. It's just a bad plan. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, let's move on. We got, we have a great question from fan of the show. His name is Sam and it really deals right in with what we're talking about today. Here's what he asked. I turned 64 this summer and unfortunately I don't have much saved for retirement. My plan is to draw social security as soon as I can get the full amount and then keep working to help me build up savings and pay down my mortgage. Does that sound like a good strategy? Great question, Sam. I appreciate that. I, I think a lot of uh, people have a very very similar curiosity, number one, about drawing Social Security, and very similar circumstance in that, well, I I might not have saved up as much as I need to, so what do I need to do to get it get myself over that last hill?
2: Well, I think we've all seen examples of how much progress someone can make in their financial life in those final years of their working career Mm -hmm. when maybe they're old enough uh, to be drawing their full social security benefit and still work. And essentially get some years where they're double dipping. They've got extra income coming in. And now it's a hard thing to have the discipline to capture that extra income and truly save it. Um, but you know some people use those final years to get the mortgage finally wiped out, mm-hmm. or to accumulate the right size emergency fund or build up some some retirement nest egg. What you lose, though, by waiting too long is the power of time, the ability for uh, your investments to compound over time. because, you know, maybe uh, Sam, you'll be able to save pretty significantly. Will you be able to invest with enough risk um, to actually get growth on those dollars during that that period of time? Um, So so I wouldn't consider this a substitute to starting early, but at age 64, now is the time to get going and not wait any longer. Uh, Some folks would look at this situation and say, well, should I just keep on working and delay my social security even longer? Um, and and draw the biggest possible social security benefit at age 70. Part of that is a question, though, of the rest of the circumstances of your situation. Do you have a spouse that will be dependent upon your income if you were to pass away? Um, you know, what kind of mortgage situation? There's a lot of variables here, but certainly some goodness can come in these last years if you stay focused and disciplined.
0: Yeah, this is a great planning question, Sam. And when you look at that, if your income is $150,000 a year, if you turn on Social Security at full retirement, $0.85 of every dollar that you receive, you're going to have to pay taxes on. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to be able to save that into a tax-favored shelter, but you're going to use that money to pay down the mortgage, maybe instead of turning on the faucet and taking Social Security, I might want to uh, sit down and beat the daylights out of my spending plan. Oh,
1: that's right. right. You, you're so, tempted to go to strategy, and what's the best thing for Social Security? Nope, you need a budget. Yeah. You need a budget, and you need a plan. Yep. For sure. Great, great question. That is all the time we have for today, folks. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, we'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.